Three, two, one. I think it's time that we start the conversation to silence the shame. Silence the shame. I silence the shame. Silence is the difference between treatment or pain, life or death. Silence the shame. Speak up now and silence. 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 Silence the shame. What's up? Oh hey. my God. Hi, Free. Hi, Sean. It's been a minute. Yes, it has. It Thank feels you good for, to be back. Uh, holding us down on that last episode. Oh, no problem. Much appreciated. Uh, we have been on tour. We have been on tour. Shout hey. out to all the Silence of Shamers that have been supporting our Jack and Jill team mental health tour. So right now we have Atlanta under our belt. Mm-hmm. We New did York. New York and D.C. like over a week ago. Mm-hmm. So really excited about that. Um, but we are back in full effect. Uh, this is episode 12 of the Silence of Shame podcast. Truly excited to now be on Google Play. Yeah. So you can now find us on your little mobile device under iTunes, SoundCloud, or Google Play. So we are getting out there to the masses and truly, truly appreciative of everyone that tunes in and subscribes to our new episode every time we post one. But it's just so much going on in the world right now. Uh, A lot of reasons for people to be stressed out. Very true. A lot of people experiencing trauma Mm -hmm. in ways that I think we may have not seen um, in our country before. But it is an honor and a privilege to have um, the next lady that I'm about to introduce on the show. Uh, Our paths crossed at an event Mm -hmm. and got a chance to take a photo. And she gave me her card and information and told me about her illustrious career. And so I would like to, uh, we would like to Mm -hmm. welcome to the show, (laughs) Dr. Felicia Barry Mitchell, who is a licensed psychologist and she specializes in uh, PTSD. Welcome to the show. Welcome. Thank you for having me. How mm-hmm. are you today? I'm well, thank you. We are out here all trying to fight the good fight yes. around mental health and erase these stigmas. Can you tell us more about the work that you do? Yes. So I started, I guess, as a psychologist working in the VA for about five years. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then God gave me a vision to start. And so for those that don't know, VA is? is ve- the Veterans Department of Veterans Affairs. Got it. Okay. So I worked a lot of military, okay. um, veterans, and providing basically trauma mm-hmm. recovery work. Mm-hmm. And about almost five years ago now, I've been out of the VA system working on my own. Oh, congratulations. Congratulations. Yes, thank That's you. That's major. Mm-hmm. Yes. Trying to provide in the gap where there was a lack of services. Okay. Mm-hmm. So I have offices, one in Douglasville and Georgia, Georgia, okay, and one in Atlanta, Georgia, near the airport. So on the south side, areas where there really are not a lot of services mm-hmm. for people who experience trauma, as well as their families. I think that's another component we often miss mm-hmm. is that I can treat you, but there are people behind you who sure. also are not understanding or edu- haven't been educated about the uh-huh. symptoms mm-hmm. and what you might experience. Mm-hmm. So I've been doing that. So trauma work, PTSD, my loves, Mm -hmm. because we all experience trauma in some way or another. But the research shows us that we can, you know, the majority of us might experience trauma, but only a small percentage will actually develop PTSD. Okay. So the more we educate people, the more we explain to them that if you get treatment, if you kind of don't avoid, you Mm -hmm. can not develop the severity of symptoms that are accompanied by with PTSD. So, so that, uh, one, one quick sec, mm-hmm. I, I just want to ask the general question. Okay. What is PTSD? Yes. Well, for those that don't know. Well, in the answer, what I wanted to, um, for those two things, is trauma work different from PTSD? Because when you say trauma work and PTSD, I'm wondering, like, what are the connections so or differences between the two? So start with telling us about PTSD yes. and then trauma work. So PTSD stands for post-traumatic stress disorder. Okay. And so it is, clinically, we talk about PTSD in terms of there's a signature event, which is criterion A, which means that you have experienced a life-threatening event Mm -hmm. personally or you witnessed it. So you could have witnessed someone lose their limb and now you feel like your life is in danger. Mm. You could have witnessed a a carjacking and feel like now the fear of driving is something that Mm -hmm. you have or you could have had it. So something where your life or limb is threatened, Mm -hmm. you feel physical harm or your life is in danger. That's the first thing you need to have before you can we can say you have you might have PTSD. Okay. And then we call the next set of symptoms are re-experiencing. So those are the flashbacks. Re-experiencing. Re-experiencing symptoms. So you're, you're having nightmares. You're having flashbacks. You are experiencing the symptoms that can be in your body even. So sometimes if a really? woman is, if a person, man or woman or child is uh, sexually assaulted, they might feel pain in areas where they were assaulted. Wow. Mm. Even after the meeting is over. So you can, you can re-experience that in your body. Mm. 
you can have, again, the nightmares, the flashbacks, those kinds of things, the intrusive thoughts. We talk about those. You're not thinking about your trauma. You're watching TV, and then all of a sudden a thought comes out of nowhere mm. that brings you back to your event. So those are intrusive thoughts. So those are the re-experiencing symptoms. Then we have the arousal. Can I ask you a quick question to that? So mm-hmm. if you're watching TV, could it be something that triggers it, like a, a similar experience that you're watching that it will could lead be. to those thoughts? It could be, but it, usually we talk about intrusive. They're coming out of nowhere. Got it. Kind of like, you know, I'm just sitting here eating a bowl of cherries and it just, pops in. just pops in. Okay. And when you said, um, like, re-experiencing, like, for a person that might have experienced sexual assault and they can feel that, um, is it actually does it have to actually be that you were um physically damaged from that so you might feel it you know internally or is it, could it be like um you just you just kind of feel it based on the thought itself does that make sense cuz i don't want to use the word like um and forgive my ignorance on it but i don't want to use the word like where it's in your like it's in your thoughts it's in your head mm-hmm. and that kind of creates the feeling or is it something where you've actually had a physical a physical reaction to something that might be I think it can be both like you know if someone has has had an amputation right they will we call them they have phantom pains Mm-hmm. So sometimes the mind body right connection, phantom pains that's mm-hmm. what I'm asking so it, yeah definitely it could be a combination of or one of the other definitely. okay mm-hmm. I have a question um, you know when you think about PTSD you think about what other types of mental health disorders could come out of that. Can, right. can you talk to us about that? Sure. Can I finish your PTSD mm. question? Oh, sure. yeah. I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. the re-experiencing the arousal, which is like um, you get anger, uh-huh. irritability, sleep problems. Um, so those things. And then also emotional numbing. So oh, I know okay. I'm supposed emotional to feel numbing. love, but I don't feel it. Like I, I don't feel the depth of that. Like I know you're my wow. sister, my mom, my partner, uh-huh. but I don't feel that intensity anymore. Okay. Because if I feel that, then I also have to feel the depth of the pain that I experience. Wow. So okay. I'm numb. Okay. So those are the the, the criteria that we look for if we're going to diagnose someone PTSD. So, so to TSA. recap, life threatening event, mm-hmm. lo- loss of life or limb, re-experiencing those nightmares mm-hmm. through mm-hmm. flashbacks and nightmares, intrusive thoughts. Mm-hmm. And emotional numbness. Yes. Is, am I leaving anything out? Because um, we want to post this on social media okay. for our um, viewers and listeners. No. So the re-experiencing, the hyper-arousal, the emotional numbing, mm-hmm. they, they change it. So, yeah, that pretty it. much encompasses it. Okay. Wow. Great. And sorry. And then you asked me, too, about the difference between trauma and PTSD. Yep. Right, mm-hmm. right. So clinically, I'm, I'm looking for those things if I'm going to diagnose someone with PTSD. Okay. Now, we, again, you can experience a trauma and not develop PTSD. Okay. So, again, if you um, had an event and you don't avoid, we know avoidance is like the, the primary thing that will lead to PTSD. If you don't avoid going to the area or things that remind you of your trauma, then over time your symptoms might remit on their own. Okay. If you continue to avoid, though, you continue to increase that fear in the sense I that see. I can't cope mm. with it, and then the severity of symptoms decrease. I mean, increase, I'm sorry. So do you find that fear... It plays a big part definitely in diagnosing PTSD. I'm sorry. So the other parts that go along with the correct criterion A was the, which is actually the event, is you feel hopelessness, mm-hmm. helplessness, and intense fear or horror. So mm-hmm. one of those emotions have to be experienced during that time. Got it. Wow. Interesting. Wow. Thank you for that. This mm-hmm. is so. Cool. It is very I mean, interesting. We're able. I'm glad that we're able to educate. You know, so many people who may not be familiar. Mm-hmm. With the disorder. Now, let's talk about the other um, mental health disorders that can yes. arise, right, mm-hmm. from PTSD, such as um, anxiety, depression, and the use of substance abuse mm-hmm. or substance abuse. Definitely. So, we know research shows us that people will cope, try to cope with mm-hmm. when they've experienced trauma, is something that's not in our everyday lives, right? I don't care how many times you've played those intensive video games or how many times you've seen on TV, violent events, until it happens to you, it's, it's a different connect, right? Emotionally, okay. you don't experience the same, okay. experience it the same. And so trauma is something that our brains, there's a switch almost like that happens in our brains. Mm-hmm. So we might try to cope with these things by using substances. So I might eat if that's my thing. Mm-hmm. I might drink more. I might use other, I might use pain medications. I mean, that's a big problem in our society now isn't it yes so but a lot of things that we might abuse to reduce that pain of trauma to not to try to numb out those you know reminders that we might experience so substance abuse is definitely commonly associated with trauma 
people also might overwork. That's a huge thing we used to mm-hmm. see. Like, so when I first started in the VA, we would get a lot of the Vietnam-era veterans back because they were retiring. Mm-hmm. Okay. So they were working 80 hours a week, but now that they're retiring, they're sitting home, and all those things are coming back to them, right? Mm-hmm. They're not as busy. So it can be like a latent experience? It's there, but they're doing things to distract themselves. Okay. Uh, right. So they're drinking a lot. So they just, instead of, they don't have the nightmares as much. They just pass out. Okay. So it's it can be delayed. We know a few, a few years, which is why a lot of us who are experiencing trauma, the criterion says if you, you know, you have to have those symptoms after 30 days after your trauma exposure. I know it can be two or three years because, again, if you are not... If you're so using the substances. ones that we just talked about, mm-hmm. it's like 30 days after. Yes. Okay. And it's it, impairing your functioning. Then mm-hmm. we would say that's the disorder piece is that you have these symptoms and it's impairing your ability to function across your life. Got it. Relationships work, that kind of thing. So anxiety also, um, before we change to the DSM-5, which is our diagnostic and statistical um, manual that we have all our diagnoses in. Uh-huh. It used to be that PTSD was under anxiety. They've now moved PTSD to a separate category. So anxiety, because their cluster of symptoms were so similar to someone who has anxiety. So you might have the heart palpitations. Uh, You might have mm -hmm. experiences of anxiety, right? Um, So that's commonly associated with PTSD. And then depression. If you think about it, when we talk to people, Mm -hmm. we talk about the symptoms are kind of overlap. You might have sleep disturbance when you have depression Mm -hmm. or anxiety. You may withdraw from people. You might isolate. You may feel emotionally numb. Mm -hmm. You either sleep more or sleep less. You You might have nightmares. You might feel worthless. You might have loss of interest. You might not want to do things you used to enjoy. Actually, that's pretty similar to what we look for when we're looking for PTSD. So how we distinguish those is, is we might ask someone, if you didn't have these symptoms of depression or anxiety before your trauma exposure, it's likely a comorbidity or something that happens as a result of your trauma exposure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it's funny. I want to share um, something that happened to me around 9-11. Mm-hmm. And Dr. Felicia, we were talking about this prior to us actually starting the taping. Mm-hmm. I worked in Manhattan and lived in New Jersey at the time. And I saw the South Tower collapse from the water. And so just going back, looking at um, what you pointed out, the intense fear, Mm -hmm. and I felt like my life was threatened. You know, Mm -hmm. I felt like we were at war. I I didn't know what to think, really. And so I drove home like 14 hours that night. And I was so on edge and frightened that I only stopped twice for gas. And so I went back to New Jersey a week later after everything had calmed down and I found myself over time driving across the bridge that I was terrified Mm. that those bridges would be attacked yeah and I ended up going and having a panic attack at work it was my first time ever I can I'll never forget I had to go to the hospital in an ambulance and it was kind of scary in New York because traffic is so bad I'm like Mm. oh what are we gonna get Mm. there but it, it really really did a number on me I'm sure now that I'm learning about all of these signs and symptoms, I think I experienced mm-hmm. PTSD for mm-hmm. quite some time. And it took me a while. I didn't even want to go down in that area in New York. I didn't want to yes. see it. I didn't want to talk about it. And I was afraid, again, crossing bridges and mm-hmm. even on the ferry. Tunnels and everything at that point. Yeah, sure. tunnels weirded me out, too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, so and it- I hate that I didn't get therapy mm-hmm. and, and counseling from it. But I think you're probably not like a lot of people, right? So there, we know that people who were even watching it on TV. So you had a personal, direct yeah. experience. You were right, right. there. Yeah. So I can't even imagine what you ex- what you went yeah. through. But we were people who were watching TV, but they were inundated with those images. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of what they did. They sat in front of TV for 24, 36 yeah. hours. Because right, we didn't know what was happening. Right. right? I was going to um, ask this. Yes. And so we have people who had post-trauma symptoms from that distance. Mm-hmm. I'm at home. I'm okay. in New Orleans, let's say, mm-hmm. watching this on TV, and I'm experiencing probably some of the same symptoms that you experienced because we're thinking, are we at war? What's going right. on? Right. How can this happen? Mm-hmm. So I think part of it is just educating people that, you know, it's not just combat veterans. It's not the people, just the people in the military. Sure. Right. If, you experience, if you're experiencing something where you think your life is in danger, it could be a motor vehicle accident. Mm-hmm. And I've seen some pretty bad ones where it's like, how how did they survive? The right. car is mangled. And I've had people say, I don't want to drive. I don't want to be in a car. 
right? Natural disasters. So there are so many other things besides combat where someone might experience those symptoms. And I'm, it's unfortunate that you had to suffer through that alone. I don't really like to go back to that moment. Yeah. So it puts me in a bad place. I'm sure. Can yeah. So can you experience trauma, like you're saying, for someone who's not necessarily present for the event mm-hmm. physically, like I'm not there in the, like right there in front of it, mm-hmm. and still have PTSD from it without having actually directly experienced it, not seeing the actual building come down? Yeah, so I've had people call me that I've worked with, um, like I've had someone that they were with, they're on the phone. Their mm-hmm. their loved one was in a hospital, and this person was like the, um, they had the power of attorney of their med- their med- medical health mm-hmm. right? okay. care. So this person is hearing their 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 loved one cold. Mm. So coding, of course, yeah, is when di- someone is dying in mm-hmm. the hospital. Oh, I see. Okay. So this person's on the phone, but oh, they're gosh. hearing the workup of trying because they're trying to get her permission yeah. to you know authorize these treat these treatments. And so she would, you know, the phone rings. She's having um, heart palpitations. Mm-hmm. She mm-hmm. doesn't want to answer the phone. She gets sweaty and high arousal. So yes, you can. You don't have to necessarily physically mm. uh, be there to see it. So that's trauma, or that's PTSD. That's trauma. Okay. okay. So you can experience trauma, but you you don't you don't develop PTSD until these symptoms persist for some time. Okay. Um, Again, the DSM-5 says 30 days. I say, I want to give you six months to a year because if you get back into life and you engage again, those symptoms can remit on their own. Mm-hmm. And so we, we don't talk about PTSD as in a sense of a cure. It's okay. almost like, you know, what we, how we might say someone with a cancer diagnosis. Their symptoms can be, be reduced so significantly that they can live a normal life. But if they are triggered again, mm-hmm. their symptoms might elevate, hopefully with good treatment, and I've never seen this happen, um, I've never seen someone that I've done work with who has been triggered again and their symptoms are so back to the place where they came for treatment. That's initially. what I was going to okay. ask you. Can yes. you give us an example of a situation, obviously not naming any patients, mm-hmm. but just a, a hypothetical situation of how your triggers can or how something can tr- re-trigger those symptoms? Mm-hmm. Even if it's not as bad, but, like, what does that look like? So any of your senses, right? So your sight, your smell, your taste, your touch... I'm missing one, right? There's five of them. Mm-hmm. Um, um, all of your senses um, can cause a trigger. Okay. So let's say, and that's the thing about the brain. I'd like to think of it as, I'm kind of, I'm going to date myself with this one. <laughs> you can be triggered by anything. And so what the things that, when trauma actually happened, that are inherently dangerous, that means those things on them, on them on the alone might cause you danger, right? So, but... And there may be a handful of those things that are actually in the environment when you experience a trauma. The way your brain catalogs it is, I'm, I didn't date myself. Do you remember the Sears Wishbook catalogs that you used to go course. through? Oh my, <laughs> that was only my favorite thing as a little girl. I had everything circled. Circled right, all anything. the pages earmarked, right? We could afford none of it. <laughs> But you could dream, so did yeah. I. So if you think about the, like maybe a pamphlet of things mm-hmm. that are inherently dangerous, but your brain catalogs it as this Sears wish book. So okay. now the colors, the the taste. The example I usually give to patients is let's say I'm having I have a car accident, all right? And I've just gotten my lunch, so the smell of my lunch is in the car, my you know, my girl is on the radio by the temptations mm-hmm. or anybody else. <laughs> It's a hot day, so now if it's a hot day, I'm triggered, can be triggered. Mm. If that song, I hear that song, or even the first tunes or notes of that song, I'm tr- I can be triggered. Wow. The smell of the food that I'm eating or has wow. in the car, that can trigger That's me. That's interesting. Mm-hmm. The color of the vehicle that hit me can trigger me. Oh, wow. Right? The road that I'm on can trigger me. So these are things that we might be aware of, but even some that are so subtle that we're not aware of. Mm-hmm. And so the reason... This happens, and what I try to tell people is, like, again, it's not that you're crazy, which is what I often hear. Mm-hmm. And, again, we don't allow that word in our practice because I want to educate people that it's not that you are crazy. It's that your brain has changed. Sure. Mm-hmm. So the, if we think about it, the prefrontal frontal cortex is what helps us live our day, right? Go about our day, and with, it's responsible for logic and reasoning. That's what's in control most of the time. After a trauma, the amygdala, the brain's response center, the brain's emotional response center, the brain's arousal center, now takes control because it says prefrontal, prefrontal cortex, you didn't do a good job. Mm. 
Mm. You let this thing happen to us. So now, as the brain's alarm system, I'm in control. Mm -hmm. Right. So now... That's very interesting. So now, your brain has changed. It's not that you're crazy. It's not that, okay, I went to lock the door. I should be good. Nobody else is in the house, but I hear a sound. I'm looking at the door again. So it has like a sensitive alarm system. Yes, very sensitive. It's a good Mm. way of putting it. Interesting. Mm -hmm. So if there's... Let's say you experience a trauma like um, like we talk to a lot of people who either have been suicide survivors mm-hmm. or people who, um, not survivors, excuse me, people who have attempted suicide, mm-hmm. um, and survived or you know their family is dealing with that. What the emotions that come after that mm-hmm. are those? Could those be forms of PTSD? Could be, or or at least post trauma symptoms. Okay. Yes. So the, the same symptoms, so there are common reactions to trauma, right? So the same ones that we talked about in terms of the criterion, we look for those. So you can have problems with concentration. You can have those problems with the, the nightmares, the flashbacks, all those things. Those are actually common for after you experience a trauma. Right. Right. You can also like f- have thoughts now that the world's not safe, you're not safe, you can't con- con- you can't uh, no longer have control over your environment and other people. Mm-hmm. Um, so how you perceive yourself in the world in general can change. That's a big part of trauma. Um, so you can have trauma, post-trauma exposure symptoms without necessarily developing PTSD. PTSD is the disorder. Again, it says that these cluster of symptoms are I'm experiencing those, and it's impairing my ability to, to function. So, okay, for example, like you can't really escape dreams, mm-hmm. and sometimes you can't choose them. Uh-huh. So, like, if you're having a dream that kind of keeps you there because you have that fear, mm-hmm. can that almost, like, develop you into experiencing PTSD? Or Well, well we do have what we call dream prescripting. So we actually can change our dreams. Okay. So there's there's therapy to help you change your dreams. There's therapy wow. to, mm-hmm, to help you reduce your nightmares. Yeah. Okay. So so that so that in of itself is that psychotherapy? That's, that's yeah. therapy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The psychotherapy. Mm-hmm. Yes, so I have a question. Um, <laughs> I want to kind of go back to some of the work that you did while you were at the VA hospital. Mm-hmm. One shout out to all of our veterans. You yes. know, thank you Absolutely. for your service. Thank you for your service. Just even looking at some of the films that are made in Hollywood, I can't imagine what they're going through right. in, in real life. Mm-hmm. Um, do you find that? Most well, I know you can't really make a generalization, but did you find that a lot of um, gentlemen that you worked with were okay with getting the help, or because you know the military, you, you tough guys, right? right? right, and, right. You, and you're supposed to be defending your country and supposed to be able to stand up against anything, even if it's terrorists or people attacking you. Mm-hmm. You know, what was the ego like, right, for men and women having to come back and get help? Were they open to it? Great question. They, here's the thing, again, about they were open to it, usually if their loved one kind of pushed them to it. Okay. So the two symptoms that people usually came to treatment for were, were because they were so angry and irritable and their loved ones could not deal with them. Okay. Or it was causing problems at their job or whatever. Or they couldn't sleep. They were experiencing bad insomnia. Mm, and right? nightmares. Nightmares and, and all that. Yeah. So so sleep disturbance. So those were the two main reasons that what people would come to there because they you can't you can't if you don't sleep you don't function right, right. period right and if you're pissing everybody off you're right. not going to have re- relationships to, to help you um kind of deal and with your what's family's going not going to want to be around you exactly so they would come but you're right the culture of the military is you are the defenders of our nation and of our world right right because there are military but our military go my son is in the navy oh really shout out to my son oh, wow. hey. and what's his my, name jeremy willis what's up, jeremy? Jeremy. he's in the navy my husband's a veteran i have siblings oh, wow. two brothers who served in vietnam so strong military Absolutely. history family mm-hmm. right um so which is again why this work is so important to me mm-hmm. um but definitely you were taught that you don't show weakness mm-hmm. you you man and woman up no matter the situation mm-hmm. and the things that we, I think people don't understand. It's funny because I'll and just share this quickly. When my son first went into the military, <clears throat> the Navy, he was coming out of boot camp, and they were on the airplane, and that's the airport to go to his um, training school. Mm-hmm. And the people are, because they wear uniforms, like, oh, thank you for your service, thank you for your service, thank you for your He's like, why do they keep saying that? I haven't done anything yet. I said, you don't understand yet. Yeah. He missed the birth of his first son because mm. he was deployed. Mm. He missed holidays. He missed, you know, my daughter's graduation. So there are so many things that they miss just on everyday life that we and don't that even sacrifice. that we don't yeah. even understand. Yeah. Let alone being, you know, shot at and things like that. Mm-hmm. But so for them it's you just do what you do what you're told. What I often hear is I have to be a good soldier. Mm-hmm. Mm. So Doc, if you tell me I need this, 
they're used to following orders, then I will do it. Right. Yeah. Right. That's a good point. That's a very good point. Yes. They follow that strict yes. schedule and regimen. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yes. So for them, it's about mm. I don't want to share this weakness that I have. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't want to, you know, and I have worked with a lot of people who were, you know, like rangers and just, high, you know, they had a, a lot more in depth. Mm-hmm. Um, exposure then it's like well I don't know if I can tell you that because it's it's classified I'm like Uh, wow so they're still struggling with they're out of the military but they're still struggling with I can't disclose some of these details because even if it's just personal information how do you fix like so how Mm because you have to be able to kind of get to it to fix it exactly so are there fine lines like are there specific clinicians that can talk to them that are like let's say maybe have access to the information that they may have mm-hmm. or have a clearance to discuss the information that they have so for them it's really about the ones that i worked with it was you know what you need this help mm-hmm. i'm not going to document anything that's going to change what happened what's happened has already happened right you, mm-hmm. you need the help today so if you need to make it it was in arizona versus some desert in the middle east do whatever you need to do so mm. that it's similar enough. Change so up that, the details. Change up the details if you need to. That so makes that, sense. That's so that great... you can still get the healing that you need. Mm-hmm. And then some of them will say, well, okay, it's been declassified now, so I can talk to you about it. Uh. But it's really it's just about developing that trust with the, with the person. This is, a, this is intimate work. Yeah, You're getting people's much. most vulnerable places that they have, they never thought they would see. Mm-hmm. Right? Things they don't tell their spouses, their parents, their siblings because it's a deep hurt it's something that you feel really helpless in trying to understand because it again it's so outside the norm so i think just having that relationship and having people understand you know you need to get what you need mm-hmm. and it's okay and nothing of this that and, and i can write it so that nothing gets back to the military if that's your concern mm-hmm. my note can be so generic that it's <laughs> yeah yeah right? but you that just you're need, protected you just need to get what you need to get out so can ptsd um, and I believe it can because you um, mentioned it earlier. Can it affect any age? Yes. And what does it look like? In, like, is it the same for every age? How does it look in different age brackets, maybe? So as young as we are that we can remember. Okay. So, right? So we generally we say that we don't remember things before age five. But I have people mm. that remember things I'll before. I remember three. Before, yeah, right? Mm-hmm. So significant events can implant in our memories that they... Can, can be recalled, but generally you don't really... Especially traumatic experiences. Especially yes. traumatic experiences, definitely. But usually we don't remember things before five. So if something, as long as you can, if it implants and it has a significant effect on you, then you and you can experience a trauma, definitely. you can. But we can experience trauma at any age. It's about, do I remember it? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. part of it is how the brain perceives it. So for babies, they may be more irritable, right? They may be, like if, if, if I say, go to this stranger, most babies, if their if their guardian or loved one is close by, they'll go because they understand they have a strong attachment that you're not going to abandon me. But if I don't have that sense of security because I've been harmed in some way, I'm not willing to go to a stranger. You know what's interesting? I was seven months old when my dad completed suicide, and every day for like literally from the day I was born, I would my dad would come home from work and my mom would place me on his chest. Mm. So that was our daily thing. My mom said for like. A few weeks after my father's death, mm-hmm. I cried mm-hmm. the entire time. Yes. It's like I knew something was What's wrong. Mm-hmm. Yes. That you didn't have that same continuity, Security. right? Mm-hmm. Definitely. Excuse me. So for, for kids, they may act out as they get. So toddlers, right, say they may just more than the terrible twos. Because for kids, they especially for young kids, they don't know how to cope. They don't understand, mm-hmm. right? I don't understand what I'm all these things that I'm feeling. We can verbalize, I feel sadness, I feel lonely, I feel hurt. Mm-hmm. When, until you develop the words for that and understand what that means, you're just having behaviors to illustrate, okay, something's not right here. So my eating behavior patterns might be off. I might not eat at all. Um, I might eat too much. I'm now not wanting to share when I was a very loving, engaging child, right, or toddler. As we get older, we might see that, you know, kids who have gone past the age of wetting the bed are now experiencing bedwetting, Mm -hmm. right? Um, We might see that they are, again, reclusive. They are isolated. They are withdrawn. They don't like to do the things they used to do. So as we continue to go up in age, we will see, again, the symptoms look the same. So we 
I don't want to do the things I used to enjoy doing. I have lost interest. I'm withdrawn. I'm depressed. My eating behaviors change. My sleeping behaviors change. Um, so the things we might see as, you you know, an adult, you would expect to see in a child and even older people. Okay. All right. I'm going to shift gears a little bit to a hot button subject okay. that I think we are all dealing with. And, you know, we're familiar with the Me Too movement mm-hmm. yes. and everything that's going on um, as it relates to sexual assault. I'm going to read this off of um, a website. It's ptsd.va.gov, mm-hmm. mm-hmm. which I'm sure you're very familiar yes. with. It says, among veterans who use VA health care, about 23 out of 100 women or 23% reported sexual assault when in the military. And I'm not sure what year this is from. Um, but it's currently on the site. Mm-hmm. And then 55 out of 100 women or 55% um, have experienced sexual harassment when in the military. And I know you do a lot of work as well as it relates to trauma from sexual assault, physical mm-hmm. or verbal abuse. Can we talk about the trauma that women tend to experience and, and just all of these women that have come forward, mm-hmm. you know, in recent weeks to share And it's interesting because even though a lot of what happened with some of them was maybe 20, 30 years later, Mm -hmm. but it seems like some of those triggers are coming back. Mm -hmm. How difficult, one, do you think it is for them to be able to share now and for those feelings to come back? Mm -hmm. Can I just add one more thing to you? Yeah, please. So what's not probably documented on the website, unfortunately, ptsd.va.gov mm-hmm. is that there's also men who experience sexual assault in the military. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. the great thing about Well, the, it's on there, 38 okay. out of 100. So yep. so I worked also, so when I worked at the VA, the main hospital worked in the military sexual trauma and male military sexual trauma, we created that division because we were seeing men who had experienced sexual trauma. So a lot of times men are also experiencing sexual assault and okay. they we talk about the, the military culture, but the way we socialize men is that... right. right. It's not really trauma. You can't. Yeah, it's like that's a how are you traumatized? So, but for women and or anyone who's experienced sexual assault to come back years later, definitely I think the the triggering of the meat, even that hashtag, because it signifies you were assaulted Mm -hmm. can be a trigger for somebody. Mm -hmm. Um, The TV show where you know now it's just someone's putting their hand on somebody that might be you recoil because oh that's similar to kind of how, how, that started how it for started me. for me. Wow. So definitely there can, they can be triggered and come out like 20, 30 years later because it's like, and maybe now I'm feeling empowered, emboldened to do that sure. because the threat of if you say this, there are going to be consequences. Right. Now the time has elapsed and that fear is not there anymore. And so that's why now I feel empowered to come out and speak and, and speak my truth. And you, you talk about, you know, that stigma, right? Gosh, yes. n- no woman in the military wants to say, oh, no. you know, that this has happened because it's hard enough for women in general in society, but mm-hmm. even to be accepted into the military, you got to be like a hundred times tougher, Definitely. right? Yes. Did you find in your work um, that there were women that were willing to share behind closed doors? on, you know, some of the abuse? Oh, definitely. So, again, we had a unit just for women who experienced mm-hmm. sexual trauma. And so the way okay. the military... At the VA hospital. Mm-hmm. Okay. In Atlanta. So the way the way we describe it is even harassment. So harassment okay. is included in sexual assault. Because if you think about it, the power differential in the military, right? Mm. Sure. Again, I'm a good soldier. So if my I'm in an office and we're in a closed space and you tell me you're feeling on me and groping on me, as a good soldier... I allow it. Well, not that I allow, Mm-mm. but but you are the person in power. Yeah, mm. a lot of people, not just women, but a lot of people go to the military as a, as a better way. Right. Um, I've worked with yeah. a lot of women who had trauma histories, and they came to the military as a way of, of escape. Mm-hmm. And so that betrayal is even worse because I came to this place that's supposed to be about character and integrity and safety, and moving on from that, and moving trauma. on from that, and yeah. now I'm being victimized again. Wow. And so talk about re-trauma, oh you know, re- triggering yes. something. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, re-victimization again. And so it it's not that I will allow it. It's that sometimes I might just freeze. Like, yeah. mm-hmm. is this happening? What just happened? Mm-hmm. What just happened in this yeah. space? And I might try to get away, but then my th- career is threatened if you don't do this. Mm. You're right. And, and I'm glad you know you said that. Can I cut you off no, for a yes. second? Because a lot of people, I've heard so many negative comments mm-hmm. with the Me Too movement, with mm-hmm. other ladies saying, well, why didn't you just move? Why didn't you do something? Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's not that <laughs> easy. No. Mm. When it's happening to you, mm-hmm. and, you know, I, I really, my heart goes out to a lot of the women who did just freeze when it was happening. Because mm-hmm. it's like your body just shuts down. Mm-hmm. It does. Yeah. You know? Yep. Yeah. 
So there's a freeze response, there's a fight response, but but we don't talk about the freeze very often, right? No, it's we fight don't. or flight. Correct. So we we mm-hmm. hear fight or flight all the time, but freeze is also something that you can experience. And a lot of people experience that because that's the brain's way of trying to protect you from the so emotional, physical, down. sexual abuse you're experiencing. Right. You just kind of you just like you said, you freeze yeah. because it's something like you don't know how to respond. Um, and so that's just how you cope in that moment. What we do know, though, is that people who often will freeze, mm-hmm. they will literally call dissociation. So it means my mm. body is physically present, but I'm somewhere else. I can have, you know, people tell me all the time, I'm, you know, we were at this function and I was doing okay. And I don't know, but I just zoned out for a minute. Yeah. I went somewhere else. Yep. Right. And, well, let's talk about what it was. Oh, was it the perf- the cologne? The cologne triggered me. Mm-hmm. Or somebody, you know, was wearing the same color shirt that the person wore. So it's, it's amazing just how the brain can just be re-triggered. Absolutely. And you're not even thinking about it, right? Because I can, you know, this is not related to sexual assault, but someone was threatening to rob us. And just in that moment, I froze mm-hmm. for a second. I could not figure out how to lock the car door. Mm-hmm. So I can see how even in any kind of traumatic experience, mm-hmm. the brain will just freeze yes. and shut down. It's protective. So to all those naysayers who were mm-hmm. talking about women and saying they should have done this or done that, you put yourself in that situation. Yes. God forbid, I don't want nothing to happen to nobody. But you, yeah. until you've walked in someone's shoes, as mm-hmm. my mama used to say, you know, you don't have a right no. to judge because yeah. you just really do not know. It's yeah. hard enough, like you said, going into these jobs like the military and a lot of male-dominated careers, and, and you have to be, you know, 10 times as hard as your male counterpart, and then having to deal with sexual assault and abuse. It's like, yes, man, I just want to do my job. Mm-hmm. Like, for Definitely. real. Mm-hmm. You know? My job. And, right. and so do you, what are your recommendations um, from a therapy standpoint for women that have experienced, you know, the trauma, um, anxiety, and depression from sexual abuse and assault or harassment? I definitely say, you know, girlfriends are great, yeah. but you need therapy. Yeah. And you need someone who's experienced in trauma exposure work. Mm-hmm. And so um, there are some great treatments for PTSD, if that's what it is, if it's if it's a, a matter of I have these post-trauma symptoms, but I, it's not maybe diagnosable as PTSD, you're on the you're on the best side of, get, of getting treatment. Sure. Right. Mm-hmm. So learning that it's OK to talk about it, find a safe place where you can do that. Um, I'll tell people all the time, you know, I'm sitting in my office and I have my degrees behind my desk. But I'm like. Those degrees, in my experience, mm-hmm. almost 20 years doesn't mean anything if we can't connect. Yeah. Absolutely. So you want to find a therapist you can connect with and and that you feel comfortable disclosing these, these most intimate personal details with. Yeah. Because it, it's going to get harder mm-hmm. before it gets easier. Mm-hmm. So if you're willing to put in the work, you can recover. You just have to, you know, be trusting that your better days are ahead, ahead of you versus what you've already experienced. And, and this may be a... Um, a little bit explicit, but you know, there's people who might have experienced sexual assault or trauma, and then they have, they're unable to have healthy relationships yes. sexually yes. with Very people. Um, that's common. That's common. Okay. Even if you don't have, this is just an actual common symptom of PTSD. Actually, oh, really? Mm-hmm. I didn't know so that. So even if it's not sexual assault, yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Like how? Because because then it's kind of like how do you work through that is it possible because like you said we don't you don't look at it as a cure Mm -hmm. but is it possible to work beyond that point to where it's not like sex itself is the trigger yes and you're trying to be married you can have a right you can have a healthy relationship yeah so it's a good question for you yeah great question so the the let's see hyperarousal right part of that symptom if you think about you have a, a part of your body that is your part of your body that's on alert and then you have a part of your body that says relax. Mm -hmm. In order for someone to have an erection, explicitly, excuse me, Mm. or for a woman to be in the mood, that system that says be on alert has to come down. Mm. The one that says relax has to come up. Mm. Well, after trauma exposure, that one that says be on alert is not too willing to come down. Right. Right. Mm. So it's harder to engage in sexual relationships in general just because of that. And so, which is why we see a lot of people, I don't know if you've noticed, but the news is about the VA spending so much money on Viagra. Oh, mm-hmm. I didn't really. Mm-hmm. There's so much money spent on Viagra because there's so much erectile dysfunction. Oh, wow. And oftentimes because of trauma exposure. Oh, That's wow. So interesting. Yes. But in, to go back to your question in terms of sexual assault. <laughs> right. Sexual assault in touch. Who knew? You can teach the person with, if so part of just a general trauma treatment. And so. Is that with psychotherapy or just. So it's. It's beyond psychotherapy. Okay. So they're cognitive behavioral therapy based. And so okay. cognitive is how we, how we think and our thoughts and our beliefs. And uh-huh. of course, behavior is what we do. So the treatments that are based in cognitive behavioral therapy or CBT, 
have been proven by the v, by the National Center for PTSD, which is now part of the VA, um, to be the most effective. So prolonged exposure um, and cognitive processing therapy are, are the two, and then EMDR. So, um, and I always get it wrong. So eye movement desensitization, I forget the R every time, so mm-hmm. forgive me. No, sure. Um, but those three treatments are proven to be the gold standard. There's research to support the efficacy. Um, I'm certified in the first two, CPT and, and PE. So with you, if you have any of these treatments that have been proven to be effective, not just psychotherapy is you come, we talk, we help you process. Mm-hmm. That's not going to be as effective as using these treatments that we know that will help you work through how you, per, again, perceive yourself, perceive the world. Mm-hmm. Um, and so once we do those treatments, we can help you learn what safe touch looks like. I help you mm-hmm. understand that, you know, not everybody who is a male is going to harm you. Not everybody mm. who is mm. in power is going to harm you. And so you learn to go from these broad generalizations to specifics. And so you can engage in healthy sexual relationships or just relationships in general. And the R is reprocessing. Mm. Thank you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Google. I didn't know that. Thank y'all. you. That <laughs> you're, you're smart. You're on it. <laughs> Thank God for computers. Yes. Yeah. Can you talk about... Um, Insurance, because, you know, a lot of we, mm-hmm. we, we give all this great information, right, to people. Mm-hmm. And it's so many people are just really afraid to even take that first step yes. yeah. to get any sort of treatment mm-hmm. or therapy or care. Obviously, we know that there's um, support out there for the veterans, but everyday yes. average folks that are going through trauma ex- could be possibly experiencing PTSD. Mm-hmm. How difficult or easy is it? you know, to find treatment? And, and what if someone, you know, calls in and they don't have insurance? What, what do you suggest for them? So we actually offer a sliding fee scale. So it's okay. based on your oh, income nice. and your family size. Oh, that's, that's great. Nice. So, now, is this your, the company you yes. work for? Okay. Yeah. Let's uh, tell everybody. Your name. Providence Residential and Outpatient PTSD Services, or PROPS. Okay. Um, but in you can Atlanta, also Google Georgia. my name and get to me. Yes, in Atlanta and okay. Douglasville. Um, so we offer a sliding fee scale. So it's, it's solely based on your family size and your income. And so we follow the poverty guidelines set by the government. And so um, we will offer a sliding fee based on your income. That's if you, fantastic. Excellent. If you don't, thank if you, you for that. Oh. My again, the goal was to make mental health care accessible because that's what oh, I saw. In the, even in the even in the Oof. VA, you know, part of when I left the VA is when their the kind of curtain fell on the Atlanta VA yep. with all the stuff because I saw that we were just there was so there were, the need was so great and the backlog so huge and I, all my colleagues in the VA, I know you're doing working hard, you're doing a good thing, but there's just so much that we can do in the, in that one system. There's mm-hmm. such a gap there. There's right. a gap. There's there are long waits and long yes. delays. And so I said, you know what, let me come out of this system and come to where people are in the community and mm-hmm. so offer this service. And so I'm not the only one. There are other colleagues of mine who also offer sliding fee scales. I would say there um, are, you that know. That is so great. Yes, there, we offer sliding fee scales. I mean, because I, th- I think a lot of us understand that there is a need. So you can, you know, if you're looking for, P- I would just kind of Google maybe PTSD or trauma mm-hmm. and sliding fee scale and see what comes up. In, mm-hmm. in sliding fee scale. That. Okay, because, yeah, when we post this episode, we're going to make sure we put up the website okay. to your company okay. as well as we'll tell people to, to Google that. So community mental health centers, again, it kind of gets you back to the backlog because it's community mental health centers. So each county has a community mental health. We call them the community uh, service boards. Okay. Right, so they will offer services to people either have insurance or who are underinsured or no insurance. But okay. again, you go back to the long waits, right. <clears throat> to being seen maybe every two months. Mm-hmm. So it's not going to be the best treatment, but it's something. And again, the people in those systems are doing the best they can to provide, sure. you know, to fill that need. Um, so in terms of access to care, it is there. You might have to find it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I would also suggest, you know, maybe going to some churches offer. Okay. Religious oh. Other organizations also offer either sliding fee or um, really low-cost therapy options as well. Yeah, I'm a member of Ebenezer Baptist Church, and we have a counseling center there. So mm-hmm. that, that's a great recommendation. Mm-hmm. The last thing um, I want to ask you about, and f- free, feel free to ask anything else, mm-hmm. um, college students, because we're starting to go on college campuses mm-hmm. and talk about, um, you know, just – your overall mental health. Mm-hmm. I'm launching this tour called the loving you college tour, and I'm going to go and represent and share my story awesome. and then bring in some other licensed healthcare professionals. So if I do something in Atlanta, I'd be honored to have you be there as one of our panelists. Um, talk about any of, you know, the trauma that you've seen or the rise mm-hmm. right of trauma amongst college students mm-hmm. and, and how easy is it or not for them to get treatment or to want to seek treatment rather. Okay. 
um, wanting to seek treatment is the thing because yeah. most larger college campuses have counseling centers on site. Okay. So, um, and they can be seen for free as part of the treatment. And I heard those wait times can be. You know, I guess it depends on how large too. the university. Yeah, because when I part of the training for so the benefit is you get to because um, when we were in school in our graduate program we all had to work in the counseling center for so much time. So, okay. so they they have um, yeah. So the, the I don't know what the wait times are now. Is ages ago. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but the idea is that there there is. Um, help available on campus and then against the thing the one is recognizing if you're failing classes now Mm -hmm. you don't want to hang out with your friends Mm -hmm. you're drinking smoking Mm -hmm. doing you know popping pills and doing things that you weren't doing before you look in the mirror and you don't know the person you're looking that's looking back at you Mm -hmm. it's time to go get help because Mm -hmm. you can't deal with it on your own yeah and you don't have to you know that's the beauty of is that you don't you don't have to you hear that Mm y'all you don't have to all my silence the same college ambassadors spread that good word spread the good word yes and so other thing i'll say is we also offer um at our at our offices we offer um, well for the douglasville a free support group for people who've experienced trauma and then we have a free support group for those their loved ones because those are two different i'm so glad you said that right so um because like for me i had a family member who suffered from bipolar disorder not ptsd Mm -hmm. but um when I was first just trying to understand it, I went to a family therapy group okay. and it helped me more than I can even tell yes. you. Yes. So I feel like it's like you go and you see your psychiatrist if you need medication, mm-hmm. you find a great therapist and then you get that support group that yes. can help you with self-care. Yes. I look at it like kind of like a three-layer cake. Yes. Mm-hmm. It's like you Definitely. really need it all for your full. You need it all. Oh, let me go back to and NAMI. So the yes. National yes. Uh, Social love Group. NAMI. They um, NAMI. offer you know, free support groups and things for people who have loved ones or even people who are experiencing uh, mental illness. So those are also free resources that you Fantastic. can look into. Yeah, we got to get our NAMI reps on the show. Yeah, we definitely <laughs> have to do that. And um, I know that we mentioned off air about how things in the hood or gun violence and different mm-hmm. things like that might affect people in BPTSD. Um, and I don't know if you might not have had an extensive um, experience with PTSD from people who have experienced gun violence or mm-hmm. seen that in the hood. Mm-hmm. But do you think that one of the reasons that you might not have seen it as much is because we don't recognize that as PTSD? Definitely. I think part of it is, first of all, you know, in certain environments, mm-hmm. in certain cultures, it's what happens in this house, in this neighborhood, stays, stays in, on this yeah. street, stays mm-hmm. in this house, this neighborhood, in this street, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so there's this sense of si- keep it silent, mm-hmm. right? Um, and then this is part of, you know, pray have faith which i'm a person of i'm a believer i'm a, a christian but there's also i also believe that god gave you know he gave us doctors he gave us lawyers he gave us people with skill sets he gave exactly professionals all and talents mm-hmm. yeah and so there's a, it's okay to go see someone in the mental health profession because you recognize um it's difficult um to cope when you've experienced something so mm-hmm. i have a 14 i have this huge gap of 28 year old 27 year old 14 year old so my 14 year old is eighth grade wants to go to this party my husband mm-hmm. and I are trying to figure out do we let him go to this party? Mm-hmm. Because there are so many shootings, right, that happen at yeah. a simple party. Mm-hmm. When I was growing up, we went to a party, you had a good time. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Very now, different now. Now, very different, right? And so having to, this week, let, I talked to my son, who's African-American, about, you know, if you stop by the police or you go out. So you have to have these talks, right. all these talks you didn't have to have before. And now saying to him, I want you to be able to have fun, but I need you to be mindful. When mm-hmm. you're in these environments, you think you hear something escalating or whatever, you don't need to go running and trying to be the person that's going to break it up. I need you to get to safety. Mm-hmm. I need you to call us. I need you to, you know, um, to take care of you. And yeah. so I think part of why we don't see it so much is because it's the idea that you're strong. And then sometimes we can be conditioned, right? Mm-hmm. I hear so many Absolutely. gunshots in my neighborhood. It's just it's normal. It's normal, mm-hmm. right? Um, but it really isn't normal. Mm-hmm. It really isn't because the reality is you still don't feel a sense of safety. Yeah. You have that sense of fear. Mm-hmm. Am I going to be able to walk down the street with these shoes on mm-hmm. and be okay with these shoes? Yeah. So the hyper arousal is still there. It's just experienced in a different way. And yeah. it's not called by that name, maybe? It's not called by that name. And it's like, who's going to pay? I'm going to pay therapy. I'm going to pay some money for you to go. For something that I'm seeing all the time. time. Or, yeah. yeah. So you're going to come back into the environment experience again. Or... Right. You know, boy, girl, you better, you know, get it together. Yeah, toughen, toughen up. up. Toughen up. We hear that and, so much. Yeah. And one of those points, um, 
with you saying like if you get stopped by the police, you know, like it's a run on joke, um, even amongst comedians that like how black people in general might react when they mm-hmm. see the lights come on mm-hmm. behind them. Mm-hmm. Um, what is does that speak to any form of like a potential trauma or how we view based on our relationship with police historically, how we might see that is that developed from trauma? Is that or is it potential to say so? I think so. You know, so shout out to our first responders, our mm-hmm. law enforcement yes, officers, definitely. Real, because yeah. you know there's two sides in the sense it that really they, is. they put their lives on the line every day, right. and they could have a and they could be and they could be triggering too exactly, right. and that that little hair response that you may react too quickly because you're scared. And we've mm-hmm. seen that in somebody's right. life. So, yeah. but I, so I do work because I work with a lot of law enforcement officers too. So shout out to them, firefighters, all of the first responders. But definitely, I think in, uh, in my dissertation was, had talked about this. It was uh, actually on social justice. Wow. Mm-hmm. And um, quite a bit of the respondents talked about we called it driving while black. Right. Yep. Right. right. And so being this experience of even if I know my tag is good, my insurance is good, everything is good, just the idea that I don't know what's going to happen. And this was way before because mm-hmm. I've been out of school over, I think it's 10 years maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, so the idea that even back then when it wasn't we didn't have cell phones mm-hmm. like we do now to video and document everything social media it wasn't as publicized but we people were still experiencing it right mm-hmm. and so this idea that everything is okay with me right but i'm still a little concerned about how the, what the outcome is going to be here so that hyper arousal that anxiety does develop mm-hmm. and and so it leads to the sense of am i safe with you that's why i think it's yeah. so important for um when a, a Someone has experienced that, right? Like a child or even your spouse. You got to talk about it. Yeah, mm-hmm. definitely. definitely. First, start, talk about it in the home. And then if you find that, you know, you can't get past it, then that's when you need to seek professional help. Definitely. But parents got to understand that they got to start talking and sharing at the dinner table. You need to put the phones away. Definitely. Yeah. And let's talk about, you know, how. What happened? How's your day? Exactly. Not necessarily how are you doing. How was your day so we can talk about some of the events in your day? Exactly. It's just so important because, you know, we are all, I say this all the time, we're one traumatic experience away from dealing with a mental health disorder. Yeah. Yes. Um, and so, and we're going to dedicate a show around PTSD in the hood and in the community. And so um, if you have any of the colleagues that have done more work, I will do, um, you know, with teens and in that area, Mm -hmm. you know, we'd love to have them back on. And and briefly, just something that just kind of struck me that it's really interesting how it parallels to the soldiers, how there are certain things that they feel are classified Mm -hmm. that they can't discuss with Mm -hmm. you or that they're scared to like get treatment for. Whereas, if you talk to people that's in the hood, there's kind of things that for them and their turf, mm-hmm. you know, almost like a could be seen as a war zone depending on the severity yeah. of it. It's also classified that they can't really go because it yes. may feel like snitching or breaking their code of ethics. Definitely. And it's also right. People of color don't get therapy like. Mm-hmm. Right. That's <laughs> right, not right, our right. thing. Right. 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 We don't do that. We don't do that. You like, want somebody in your head. Yeah. You must. You know, what's wrong with you that you mm-hmm. doing that? You got to go talk to somebody. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like. Right. So definitely. I think that that whole sense of what we have become to ascribe as okay in our culture really Mm -hmm. has led to a lot of health problems. Mm -hmm. So if you think about, so there's this mind-body connection we talk about with the holistic care that we offer. Mm -hmm. So my physical body, you know, might be stressed. That leads to mental health problems. That means to me not sleeping, not concentrating, not focusing, Mm -hmm. you know, all those things there because we're connected. So Mm -hmm. if I have this sense of you can't say that, Mm -hmm. you don't need to get help, man up, woman up, you know, stop acting like you, somebody in the Huxtables, like you, you know, like you live in this environment, right. act like it. Well, mm-hmm. it's still traumatic. Absolutely. Right. It's, it's, it changes how you see yourself in the world. Mm-hmm. So let me ask you a question then, and then we'll close out because I know we've had you here long <laughs> yeah, enough. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know you got uh, patients waiting. Yes. So thank you guys for allowing us to use your doctor this today. This was great, though. <laughs> um, thank you. So I know it's such a fine line, right? When someone tells you, that they're experiencing trauma or that you're telling them they should feel one way, but they feel another way. Mm-hmm. What's the difference when they start, when they're paranoid about it or when mm. you think it's real, you know, cause mm. sometimes parents will say, That's you know, question. I don't know when my child is being overly sensitive mm. or if she is really experiencing something mm-hmm. or if she's just being paranoid mm-hmm. for no reason mm-hmm. or whatever. Like I would say either way, because if your child is not a paranoid if your child does not have a paranoid personality, 
then you need to pay attention. Pay attention. Yeah. Like, what is she or he trying to tell you? Okay. Right? Mm-hmm. Um, so it may not be diagnosable, mm-hmm. but the thing about mental health is we can all use mental health care. Yes. Yeah. Right? <laughs> so it doesn't have to be a disorder, mm-hmm. quote, unquote, air quotes, to for you to get treatment. You just might, you might be experiencing a lot of stress. Okay. And you might need to see what, why is your child now paranoid who was so carefree? Sure. Right. Um, what's triggering what's, what's that? Triggering that? What's, yeah. what's, what's the cause? What's the root cause of that? Because um, it may just be a sense of them feeling, you know, I'm not competent to deal with what's going on in the world. Mm-hmm. Heck, I don't feel competent I'm, sometimes. Right, right. Right? <laughs> right. So to normalize that, to help them understand yeah. that, you know, these are definitely trying times. We were talking the other day at dinner about, you know, the, the guy who killed the young girl and the mm-hmm. idea that, you know, Again, we used to go to school, and you go to school. And I was telling my son, like, you know, you always have to take an opportunity to tell people that you love them, mm-hmm. that you love them when you leave and in, the, in their presence, because you never know. That girl went to school thinking she was, she was going to come home. home. Right. Yeah. She was coming home. So whether she had a, and I don't know, don't know anything about these people, but whether she had a quarrel with her mom or dad or sister, and now that's left for them to live with. Right. Sure. Because nobody knew that was going to happen that day. Mm-hmm. And that's how fleeting how life is, unfortunately, mm-hmm. for our, our adolescents and teenagers that, you know, tomorrow's not promised to any of us, of course. But the, the culture, I think, and the, the sense of I'm going to resolve it with violence versus I'm going to cool off a little bit. It's just such as this hot, you know, microwave mm-hmm. society now. These mm-hmm. teenagers are like, I want to, it has to be done my oh way. Oh, my gosh. Mm-hmm. And so yes. it, it definitely changes, I think, the life expectancy and how we deal with and see ourselves in the future, which is a big hamper on your mm-hmm. mental health. If you don't mm-hmm. see, where can I be 10 years from now? Where can I be? You can't even imagine your future. You can't even imagine your future, right? Absolutely. So how does that affect your sense of yourself, your purpose? Right. Mm-hmm. So definitely. Well, this has been amazing. So everybody out there listening, please give it up for Dr. Felicia Barry Mitchell. You are so smart and knowledgeable. We're just so grateful to have had you on the show. Do you have any parting words about, you know, PTSD, trauma, care? What would you like for everyone to know? Um, Well, first, I'd like to say thank you for having me. This was so awesome. And thanks for following up. You guys are so great. Thank you for even spreading the word. I think part of it, like you're talking about your um, experience in New Jersey Mm -hmm. off the air, like the education, like people don't understand, like, like, what? That would affect me, like, Mm -hmm. later. So just thank you for, because I think for me, it's really about reducing stigma. Sure. So for just in terms of my trauma work and trauma in general, is understand, again, you're not crazy, Mm -hmm. right? Your brain has been changed. It's Mm -hmm. a brain change. And we can do work to change your brain back, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but it takes work. It's not an overnight thing. It is a process. And as long as you're willing to do the work, there are therapists out there who are caring and willing to help you. Um... And, you know, know that life can be good again. Yeah, yes. really can. Can you really leave can. us information, either the website of the company you work for or also, I don't know if you're on social media, how people can follow yes. you? Yes. So my uh, our website is uh, www.props, P-R-O-P-S, like give somebody props. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, for F-O-R-P-T-S-D. And that name came because, you know, working from the VA, a lot of people were saying they didn't feel respected. And so, like, mm-hmm. wanted to give people experience trauma oh, props. Wow. Mm-hmm. So Props for PTSD is our website. And then my Twitter page and Instagram is at Dr. Felicia Berry. Okay. Mm-hmm. Where you got that? So you can follow me at, at Dr. Felicia Berry. And we also have a Facebook page for the businesses, um, Facebook slash, or however it does, <laughs> uh, Providence Residential and Outpatient PTSD Services.com. That's what PROP stands for. Oh, gosh. That's, that's as free as our thing. content king. B-E-R-O-I. B-E-R-O-I. Make sure he has all that. And so I would just like to leave some resources also right here on the website. I see the Veteran Crisis Line, Yes, which is one 800 273 8255. You can also log on to the National Center for PTSD website Mm -hmm. to get more information. And you guys can go to our website. We're going to put up um, props for PTSD on the Silence of Shame website. We'll have a clickable link there. We um, also... I'm excited. We have a partnership with the Crisis Text Line, um, which is uh, for those of you that aren't familiar with crisistextline.org. It's a 24-7 service where you can text um, and you will get a licensed um, professional on the other end and then they can help to put you in touch with other clinicians in your area. So Mm -hmm. we have our own keyword. So if you are experiencing um, any anxiety or depression um, or feel like you may be something is just not quite right 
um, for your mental health, please text the word silence to 741-741. Again, text the word silence to 741-741. You know, you can follow us uh, at Silence to Shame on Instagram. We have a Facebook page. We like to post a lot of helpful articles on that page. So on Facebook, we are at Silence TH Shame as well as on Twitter, at Silence TH Shame. Unfortunately, somebody took our name, so we couldn't mm-hmm. get at Silence of Shame. And you can follow me personally at ShantiDoss404 and my co-host. At Free the Vision everywhere. Yes. Yeah. You see, I'm jealous. Okay. <laughs> the consistency, he was able yes. to get his name. But we'll get there one day. Yeah. Yes. And then shout out to our wonderful engineer. Hey, Joy. Joy. The building and the rest of our Silence to Shame crew. And uh, the Hip Hop Professional Foundation website is about to launch. We're really excited about that because shout Silence out. to Shame is a movement under my mm-hmm. foundation, which is the Hip Hop Professional Foundation. And we are continuing to fight the good fight with yes. people like Dr. Felicia to erase the shame and stigma. So I am great. your host. Shanti Das. I am your co-host, Free the Vision. Until next time, remember, continue to silence the shame. If you or anyone you love needs a hand, please shine light on the darkness. Spark the conversation. It's time we silence the shame. Let's talk about it.